listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello and welcome back to the Screeners Podcast. My name is Daniel. This is Chad. I'm Josh. And I'm April. And we have a double feature for you tonight. Me, Chad, and April will be reviewing Ad Astra, and me and Josh will be reviewing Downton Abbey. So we're a little split up on this episode. April, I think we got the better end of that deal for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. Well, you don't know. You didn't see Downton. You have no idea. That's true. true. I don't. (laughs) And I did. And so did I for some reason. So we are going to review both of those films. But before we get there, as always, we want to remind you to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at ScreenersCast. You can can find us on Facebook by searching the Screeners Podcast. So we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you're watching, what you thought of Downton Abbey, what you thought of Ad Astra, and whatever else you guys are watching. So make sure you chime in with us there. And also leave a review while you're at it, while you're listening. Uh, head over to iTunes or wherever else you're listening to podcasts and leave us a review so we can help, so uh, we can be more visible. We appreciate it. All right, with that, Josh and I are going to dive into the review of Downton Abbey. coming to Downton. What? The IMDb description reads, The continuing story of the Crawley family, wealthy owners of a large estate in the English countryside in the early 20th century. So that has nothing to do with the plot of this movie. <laughs> that is just a, a basic description. description of the show, I suppose. Uh, but either way, it's directed by Michael Engler, making his directorial debut. He's directed many episodes of the TV show. Written by Julian Fellows, uh, starring a whole slew of people that I'm not even going to start to name because there's just way too many. But... It's the cast of Downton Abbey, so there you go. This is going to be an interesting review because, spoilers, I have not seen the show Downton Abbey, but I have now seen the movie Downton Abbey, which is a continuation of the TV show. This is inexplicable. Josh, one of the one of the biggest shocks that we've ever had on this podcast is two-part. One, Josh has seen every episode of Downton Abbey. <laughs> And two, and the Christmas special, now, man. The Christmas he is special. now one one of only two screeners to see this film, and so we're going to dive into our review right now. Josh, tell me what you think of the show because I've not watched it, and then dive into your review of the movie. Oh man, I was I was hoping we were going to start out with a "What's your history of the with the franchise" kind of thing, <laughs> like this is some kind of amazing British comic book. Yes. Uh so. You may be asking yourself, how did I get here? <laughs> if you're David Byrne, or even if you're not. Um, so the thing is, I am I am here because I am married. Even though that strains credulity, I am married. <laughs> and my wife has, my wife is a sucker for um, period pieces, especially British ones, though she also enjoyed Chernobyl. That's a different story. Hmm. But some of the period pieces i can stand to watch with her and will others um let's just say victoria and a couple others that i won't name um i managed to escape downton abbey was not one of the ones that i escaped it 
it veers into soap opera territory maybe a little bit more than i would like but it's also charmingly enough written that hmm. that I, I i can stand it it's i think um, just say you love it you love it josh <laughs> just say it say I, the words i would not go that far but it is comforting like a hot glass of tea and the, the idea of a simpler time <laughs> like a hot glass of tea the idea of a simpler time when the lower class were servants but still yeah. had some sort of dignity left <laughs> as opposed to whatever we have today i i don't know it's 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 suitable it and the crown are two of the the british just um complete dramas that i can stand the crown is actually probably better because it's it's very historically um inspired and downton abbey yeah. while, while it does cover um some interesting periods in english history it's also it's also like i said very dramatized um somewhat over overwrought at times excuse me uh let's see so i guess i guess that leaves us leads us to the movie and i will say when you said that you have not seen the show <laughs> how let me ask you this before i talk about my impression of the movie why did you see the movie it was a personal challenge josh <laughs> um i wanted to know i if if you are putting something on the big screen promoting it wide then I wanted to know why. Why are you on the big screen? And uh, I wanted to know what to think of this film. I didn't have time to watch through, you know, whatever seven seasons or whatever there are of Downton Abbey. And so oh, I, I said, you know what? I, I Whatever that is. And so I, I said, I want to know if you're putting this on the big screen, um, then you are for mass audiences, not just audiences of your TV show. I think I think other franchises, and I'll refer to this as a franchise, uh, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you can hop in to most of those movies, and you might be a little bit lost, but, but wide audiences can enjoy those even if you don't have the backstory. And so I wanted to know if that was possible with this. And spoilers, it's not. But I want to know what you think first. Okay, so my my primary takeaway, my primary opinion of this movie is that if you <laughs> and this is why I ask you this, if you have not seen the show, you do not need to and should not see the movie. This movie is plain and simple. This movie is fan service. And yeah. I I saw it. I saw a Sunday afternoon matinee of this movie with I kid you not, a full house. Yeah. Of It was number one at the box office this weekend, we should say. It is making crazy money. It's it's really? Focus Features biggest opening weekend ever for Focus Features. That I mean, this movie is is killing it right now. So that answers your question of why it's on the big screen. They did uh, the math. They really did, and I can't fault them for that. All those all those PBS viewers in their Nielsen boxes at home. <laughs> Man. That's that's actually pretty impressive. But yeah. Yeah, this this is it's complete fan service. As someone who has seen the episodes, although my wife says I apparently was not paying attention at all for a season or two. I, I had no <laughs> idea what was going on with Edith and like I was in a completely different portion of her life than Oh, Edith. than the movie apparently is. 
Oh, Edith. Uh, if you have seen this, the, the episodes, these are, you've gotten very familiar with the characters and there's, there's a lot of backstory that if you don't know in the movie, this movie is very, very bland. It's, it's British and it's dramatic, but, and Maggie Smith still has some decent lines, I guess, if, even if you're not familiar with, with her character, her character is kind of the, the timeless, um, witty old crone, I guess you would call mm-hmm. her. But other than that, you have to know the, the journeys that these people went through to, to understand any of the dynamics that are happening. And so it's, it's just completely, completely lost as a movie unto itself without the fan service mm-hmm. aspect. Right. So what did you but, think of it, Daniel? Well, no, but I want to know, what did you think as a fan? What did you think of this film? If if I have to accept that mantle. I, yes, you I are a fan. I, okay, I am the token screeners fan of Downton Abbey, and yeah. I shall never live this down, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I was not upset to see all the characters again. I will say that at times... So the movie to me, and I I left the movie saying this to my wife, like this was a double episode of Downton Abbey just right. on a gigantic screen way too loud. And the, the score was overbearing at times. They just had to put it in every transition ever mm-hmm. in, in the film. And it was more than a double episode in the sense that there were way too many plot lines and they wrapped them all up in the course of a couple hours. Uh, the show often had, you know, several plot lines going as as dramas often do. But this right. one just kind of turned that up to 11. And I was a little surprised that, um, is it a spoiler alert to say that there are happy endings in this movie? <laughs> that you don't always expect from from British stuff? And that didn't always happen in the show. Uh, it, it felt, and that to me ratcheted up the fan service aspect of it like they just want people to feel good they want to get everyone out of wherever they are in their life right now and be like oh well isn't that nice and that that feeling kind of persisted throughout the movie there were occasional hiccups but it was it was all very sterile a little bit even more so than the show was at times Hmm. uh so that's that's uh that's about the long and short of it for me. I the the writing the writing was decent apart from the the faults that I just mentioned. Um, yeah, I kind of like seeing everyone again, but it wasn't on the level of like I'm seeing the cast from West Wing again. Right, right. Which would be oh insane. phenomenal. Yes, but please don't give us a West Wing movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, please don't. That, don't yeah, don't that, do that. that that is that's actually how I meant to lead off this this <laughs> intro. This is a movie that no one asked for yeah. but we were given anyway because uh focus features knew that we would buy tickets to it and yeah. they were right fair enough yeah so so i i accidentally saw this movie early i i, I didn't real i thought it came out the weekend before that it did because i just was looking at fandango and saw that they had a showtime for a thursday night so i was like okay i'll go i'll go see that uh, turns out I accidentally went to like a fan screening, like a pre-show thing that people people could <laughs> Everyone buy tickets to. Everyone was in to. costumes. They brought teacups. <laughs> they, they were not. They were not in costume. But boy, they 
loved this movie. This was the best movie of the decade. I mean, they ate this movie up. And so as someone who has not watched the show, I was watching a totally different movie, which is fair. Like that's that's fair. I I don't I don't fault anybody for that. There were I mean, anytime Maggie Smith and the other older older woman whenever they would just glance at each other i mean my audience lost it it was the funniest <laughs> thing they've ever seen i mean there was a guy behind me who was honestly losing his mind he was laughing so hard and uh i i was just going was there a joke i didn't was did something funny happen i didn't even i didn't That's see beautiful. it um so yeah clearly Here's the thing. This is no real fault of the movie. It's not It's not the movie's fault. Like, obviously, this is an extension of the TV show. I get it. I understand that that I'm not going to have the investment of the characters that a fan will have. And and there were, there were moments that I was supposed to have an emotional reaction to something about a character, and I just didn't. And so that's, you know, that's my fault, not theirs. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a... Um, something I need to complain about the film for. That just means this is a movie for fans only, and that's okay. So I, I don't... I, I I don't rate this movie poorly simply because I'm not the audience for it. So that's kind of what I come away from is I am clearly not the audience for this movie. This movie is absolutely not for, uh, or I should say, this movie is only for fans. That's, that's it. It is only mm-hmm. for people who have watched the show. Absolutely not for fans. And the reason for that is it is only an episode of the TV show. This is not a movie. There is nothing cinematic about it. It is shot and edited and like you said composed um and written like a a bonus episode of a tv show um and that's what this is this belonged on pbs this did not belong on the big screen the only reason and again i can't fault them for that the only reason it is on the big screen is because they knew they would make a ton of money and fair enough they did they did make a ton of money and are making a ton of money so so that's kind of it it just I I was a little perplexed as to why this was on the big screen other than money because there was nothing there that that necessitated it. Why is this not just like a fathom events um you know fathom e- episode on the, on the on the big screen because that's what it felt like. And um so judging the movie on its own, it's fine. Um like I said, it 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 has the production value of a TV show, and so that's the biggest negative I can say for it. If you want to be a movie, be a movie. Um, get somebody who has directed a film before. Michael Engler has not. Um, get somebody who has edited a TV show before. I don't know if the editor, uh, or excuse me, edited a movie before. I don't know if the editor for this has or hasn't. I haven't looked. Um, but it felt, it felt edited exactly like a TV show where they they cut away to a wide shot of the castle or whatever the abbey and and then cut back in with the score underneath it swelling like it just mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a movie ever. But all that said, it's fine. Like, I think this movie is perfectly fine. I think it's it's well written. Um, I think the characters, clearly I don't have the investment in the characters, but um, I think they're, they they feel uh, full and fully fleshed out because obviously they've had, you know, countless episodes to flesh out those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it felt well written and well acted, of course. Like, like this cast is great. Um, I think they performed very well. Um, some of the smaller characters... Um, I, I'm not going to pretend that I remember a single character's name from this show, um, from this movie, but uh, the, like the the cook and the, you know, some of the kitchen staff felt a little bit 
goofier than they needed to be. That uh, are they that goofy in the show? Daisy is not. Um, is not. She's practically a teenager in the show. Okay. Essentially, I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure exactly how old she's supposed to be. I. I think it's early mid twenties. But yeah, okay. she is. Uh, she is not fully matured yet in the show either. Gotcha. And so it, it kind of felt that way. You could tell that, and that's fine. So overall, you know, I I, th- I think clearly I think fans will love this movie because they did in my audience. I mean, they just lost it. I mean, my gosh, the, uh, I couldn't believe the reaction to the film. So that's great. So if you're a fan, I clearly you're going to love this movie. Um, but if you haven't seen the movie, if you haven't seen the TV show, there is absolutely no reason to see this movie. Um, but it's it's a fine movie. I, I think it's a perfectly fine film. Um, probably if I watched the show, I would think this movie is good. I still think I would think that it's unnecessary as a film. Yep. Um, because there's nothing. There's there's just no reason that it needs to be on the big screen. But it's pro- if I liked the characters, I would probably think that it was nice to see them again. Nice to spend a little bit of time with them. Um, but this probably belongs on PBS. Right. So. They they already had the the Christmas bonus and there might've been some other thing. And it, this was like you said, this was just another one of those. And mm-hmm. I had the, I kind of had the same sensation you did without uh, putting a finger on this doesn't feel cinematic. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not entirely sure concretely what you would consider a Downton Abbey movie would feel like as opposed to a TV show. But I do agree that this essentially felt like a big double episode with more plot lines. Yeah. Well, I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head for, for why it feels like an episode of TV show. It's, it's all the plot lines too. Like um, in a TV show, you have the time to explore all of these characters and all of these plot lines and a movie just doesn't, if it's going to be contained, you just can't do that. And, and so for that reason, there was too much going on um, and too much neatly wrapped up by the end of this, you know, little, little journey. Um, And so, yeah, it just, it felt like a TV show because TV shows can do that and movies can't. (laughs) And that's that. And, you know, but, but again, but I I do think that's the thing is I don't want to sound like this is some, I think that this is some garbage thing because it's, it's really not. It's, it's well put. I mean, it's, it's, there's a reason I can tell, why people praise the show so much why it got Emmy nominations and why it has such a big fan base because you know it's it's clearly there's clearly some good stuff there um fully fleshed out characters a good like setting like i think the setting is is interesting and different for a tv show i've never seen tv show really explore this period of time or this environment so so that's interesting and clearly maggie smith is great and the rest of the cast you know what's weird is people are talking about could Maggie Smith be nominated for an Oscar for this? Um, because uh, she, she because she got so much Emmy attention. Um, I think she might have won an Emmy. I can't remember. And, um, you know, she's an aging actress. She's a two-time Oscar winner. Um, all these things. But I just am like, I, I don't... I don't see why she would get Oscar attention unless there's just an overwhelming amount of Downton Abbey fans in the Academy, which I guess is certainly possible. Uh, but... Yeah. Other than that, like even the costume design, you know, all the craft things are are fine for a TV show, probably great for a TV show. But for a movie, it it just feels cheaper. Um, I I don't know a better way to say it than that. It just didn't feel like it belonged on a big screen. 
Um, well, the house has has come on hard times. If if you'd seen the show, you would you would know it's <laughs> the house is not what it once was. Oh man, yeah, I missed all that. Missed the, all that. the show covers a broad swath of time from pre World War One all the way up through like, um, women getting more of a of a role in the workplace in the twenties, huh. and it's it's actually an an interesting ride. I, I probably didn't quite do the show justice in my in my attempt to be a little bit sardonic, but it's, it's so poppery at times, but it, it is, like you said, the writing is good and the characters are, are very well developed in the show. And I believe you like, I like nothing about this movie made me um, like against the show. Like it didn't make me as, as somebody who hasn't watched it, it didn't make me go, ah, yeah, I don't want to watch the show. It's on my list. I'll get to it someday. Cause I'm, I'm I believe you that it's good. You know, um, I, I believe that the quality is there. Um, but yeah, this is just, this is just a movie just for the fans and that's fine. But, you know, I don't, I don't fault the movie for that. It's fine. But it's kind of, it's kind of all I got on it. Is there, any, <laughs> is there anything more you wanted to add yeah. about Downton Abbey? I couldn't spoil this movie if I tried, but maybe you can, I have no idea. Well, I mean, I, I have said this on our Slack channel before and I'm, I'm a little disappointed. They didn't like throw in a scene with, with a medium to bring Matthew back to life because everyone wants to see Matthew come back to life. And I'm sorry you don't get that reference. I literally but, don't understand what you're talking but about. If, <laughs> if you saw the the pain, the deep pain and emptiness in Mary's eyes, that was Matthew. And he has he is gone which forever. One, which one's Mary? Mary is <laughs> <laughs> the the main um the daughter we saw the most of. Yeah, okay. Who's okay, like helping okay. to run the house now. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I was curious because you kept you said that in our Slack channel about Matthew. I thought you meant the actor Matthew Good, um, and I was like, well, he he is in this. Um, but now I'm I'm a little more clear. No, Matthew was uh was Mary's first husband who died tragically because the actor who played Matthew wanted more money, <laughs> and that's how that went. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that. I I did hear. You know, I've heard bits and pieces about the show about how, um, yeah. My brother Tyler, he he gave up on the show. I think he had like two seasons left. He gave up because he felt like it got too soap opery, um, and and too many too many plot lines, things like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll watch it someday. I think I'm I'm you know, I'm open to it. He might have, if he left that early, he he uh he might have missed the illegitimate child. I mean, that was oh uh, man, <laughs> that's before the oh, soap man. opera really kicked into gear. Come <laughs> on, man. Is there anything else you have to say about this show or about well either <laughs> sure. about the show or the movie? Uh, as as a fan, feel free to dive in as a fan. What you loved about it, um, or what you liked or disliked about it, as somebody who's watched the show. Um, they. <laughs> So in in this movie and I think it might be in the trailer so this shouldn't be any sort of a big plot point but they they bring Carson back to his former role as head butler and that was just completely unnecessary and as speaking of fan service the whole movie was fan service but that in particular I like the guy I like the actor but it just seemed like such a strange thing to do as mm. as a plot point like it obviously as as you saw and you could even see from the movie that Mary and he have a have a long standing relationship and they really yeah. like each other and et cetera. and 
and what what you don't know is the the story behind Barrow. Um, you you learn in the movie um, about his homosexuality, but yeah. there's a there's a whole backstory of of him at the house itself, and some people who think he's capable and some people who think he's not and the things he's done in the past etc but the the way they kicked him out and then he still helped them with their big thing in the end was it was all just a little bit weird and forced to me and yeah also the the king and queen did not really seem like the king and queen i don't i'm not I sure agree. who the I king felt, and queen are at this point I, in history yeah i felt the same thing i was like that's that's it like i thought it was going to be a big thing because that's a big like moment in the trailer that the king and queen are coming and, and it was just like oh yeah they're just they're, they're here they're just kind of more of the same like that's about it yeah it was, I, it was weird it one part of me likes the fact that they're just being presented as normal people when they're like not necess- not part of a ceremony or whatever they're just people but i i don't know i i expected something different and i can't really can't really put my finger on but well it it didn't feel like there was a separation between the king and queen and the people who live in the abbey like it felt like which i know that they're they, they are the upper class and all that stuff but like even still there's a big separation between the two um so it it just felt like they were they were friends who came over for dinner more than more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All the all the staff was all a flutter, but the people in the house were like, "Oh, we have very important visitors." Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, to, to go back to your original question, that is about all I have to say as a fan. I should probably <laughs> probably wrap this up before we start rambling. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we, we should, just for the sake of continuity, give our recommendations of whether you should see this in the theater, uh, whether you should wait to rent it at home, or whether you should wait until it's on a streaming platform that you already subscribed to, Netflix, Hulu, or something like that, or whether you should skip this altogether. Josh, what do you say? <laughs> it's It's got to come to a streaming platform eventually, right? And that's that's right. where I would have expected it to show up in the first place. And so that is where you should watch it if you are a fan, unless you really want to encourage this kind of behavior and you want a Downton Abbey sequel that you have to go to the theater to see, just watch yeah, you, it on TV. You've got you've to imagine a sequel's coming out with this kind of money. I mean, I I don't know. Don't, it's cause, don't encourage them. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, that's I completely agree. There, Like I already said, there's no reason why this is on the big screen. Uh, they don't need to do another one on the big screen, but they probably will because of the money. But uh, you, you most likely, if you if you're a fan of the show, you you haven't paid a dime to watch Downton Abbey thus far. So continue that and don't don't pay for this movie because it's just an episode of the TV show. Watch this at home when it comes to this whatever it's going to come to PBS.com. <laughs> Are they going to have this movie? I don't know, but uh, watch it there. And uh, I'm sure if you are a fan, you will love it. If you haven't seen the show, don't watch this movie, but maybe go watch the show because it seems to be maybe good. So there you go. Do that. All right. That wraps up our review of Downton Abbey. So now Chad and April are going to join us. We're going to say goodbye to Josh. And Chad and April are going to join us for our review of Ad Astra. It's crazy out there. 
There's fires everywhere and plane crashes. They're calling it the surge. Major, we have some highly classified information. What can you tell us about the Lima project? Its objective was to search for advanced extraterrestrial life. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And the commander was? He was my father, sir. This might come as quite a shock to you. Your father was experimenting with a highly classified material that could threaten our entire solar system. All life would be destroyed. We're counting on you to find out what's happening out there. And that was the trailer for Ad Astra, starring Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. And so now we're going to kick off our second review of the day for Ad Astra, IMDb. Plot summary says, astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, 30 years later, threatens the universe. Um, and that Astro was directed by James Gray. What did you guys think of this film? There's This is an, one of the few original films that is out there. I don't think it's, it's not based on anything. It was just right. original screenplay. So... Hard to find these days. So I was, I was really excited to see this film. Um, Chad, what did you think about it? Well, this is a this is a strange film for me in as much as I'm still wrestling with myself over ultimately where I land. I mean, for sure it's positive. There are so many good things about this movie, the way that it is made, uh, the way that it is shot, the performances, the thematic development. Um, there are some things that are a little confounding about it as well, and it'll be very difficult for us to fully uh, explore it until we move into spoilers. But um, this is a movie, you know, with science fiction for me, and not just science fiction, probably just films in general, there are some movies that just hit me emotionally multiple times, and I love it, or if I don't necessarily love it, I'm impacted by it significantly. There are other films that I very much appreciate because of the level of craftsmanship that's involved, or a technical piece of uh, how the film was put together, or maybe just an idea. Uh, and then there are some films that do both of those things and not always necessarily in the same order. So like in a, for example, uh, in a film like Arrival, for example, which I think was my number one movie of that year, if not number two, I don't remember, but it was one of the top two. That movie I appreciate with my head and then it crushes my heart mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in, in a great way. This movie is uh, one of those where... It didn't have the same emotional impact as Arrival, but uh, it it I appreciated it from just a uh, a plot level. Even though a lot of people have complained that there's not a lot of plot here, I, I enjoyed the journey of this character. I enjoyed the the goings on that was happening, um, and I appreciated it with my head, but it never really fully landed yet on my heart emotionally. Um, now, as I have been thinking back on it and analyzing it and reading articles about it, um, I, I think I see what the filmmaker was going for. And his, his last film, Lost City of Z, was another movie that a lot of people really loved. And it also left me similarly cold. Um, I still really enjoyed that film, but I didn't f- just fully embrace it. So this is a movie that I'm, I'm, I'm still wrestling with. It, it, it involves a lot of 
thematic options. It's a thematic buffet, if you will. I mean, there are <laughs> lots of different ways that you could explore what this movie is trying to say. Some things it says very subtly and elegantly, and some things it literally says it in the dialogue. Um, and it's a it's a very heavy-handed metaphor. Um, and it has some flashbacks and, and, and different things uh, within that don't always work. It has a lot of voiceover, which doesn't always work, but then sometimes it kind of does. So uh, I think overall... For me, it's going to be hard to, to fully unpack until we can talk about it freely, but I'm very positive on this movie. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely stunningly shot. Uh, there are some exhilarating sequences in here that I don't want to mention what happened there until we're in spoilers, but some really unique sequences that I enjoy just from the filmmaking and the way that they showed things that we haven't really seen before in a, in a very unique way. So overall, I'm very positive on it. I think Brad Pitt, excuse me. <clears throat> some people have said that Brad Pitt is, uh, almost giving a, <clears throat> excuse me, goodness. Some people are saying that Brad Pitt almost gives a non-performance here, that it's just mm -hmm. a lot of him looking into the camera being Brad Pitt. But I, I think for me, it was a lot more than that. There are some very subtle things, uh, in this movie, uh, and when we get into spoilers, I'll talk about it a little more, but that deal with the relationship between a father and a son that are very, very similar to my life. Now, not not exploring space, <laughs> but in the relational way that, that father and son interacts and some of the emotional scenes that Brad Pitt has, I've literally had those exact same feelings in my real life. And so it landed heavily for me there. Um, and so I really enjoyed his performance and thought it was very authentic. So overall, very, very positive. I do think it's interesting that this film is about at an 85% positive uh, on the critical side and the audience score is low 40s. Yeah, that's, and this is that's not. I am so yeah. not surprised by that. Yeah, it's not a traditional mm. sci-fi film. When you think space, science fiction, Brad right. Pitt, your general audience is going to walk into this movie, and after about thirty minutes, are going to be looking at their watch, going, "What in the world's happening?" But for <laughs> me, this movie is kind of my love language. This is the kind of film I love. So anyway, uh, very positive, but not as strong as as like an Arrival kind of picture. But I do very much appreciate what the filmmakers were trying to do. Okay, so overall pretty positive, but definitely oh, for sure. not for sure. a perfect. Yeah. Um, Daniel, what did you think? So like Chad, um, with Lost City of Z, is it's a film that I appreciated more than I felt. Um, you know, James Gray's previous film. And actually, I think that's the only James Gray film I've ever seen uh, before Ad Astra. And, and so I expected... Basically, I expected Lost City of Z in space, right? You know, like, and that, and to a certain extent, it kind of is that. It's yeah, kind of that's uh, not, yeah, that's a, true. a man on a search, a dangerous search for something, uh, and faces a lot of peril along the way. Deliberate pace, things like that. So, so it is kind of that to a certain extent. But unlike Chad, this movie did not near did not leave me nearly as cold as Lost City of Z did. Um, I certainly, I, I can understand where Chad is coming from. I can't. I can't. I can, I can see why why it would would leave you that way. I don't think that's a a crazy opinion. Um, but for me, it just it did have a, a better effect. Um, certainly, this is not Arrival. I feel like it's trying to do something completely different than Arrival was trying to do in terms of emotion and and impact. But. Uh, I love this movie. I love this mm -hmm. movie so much. Um, I love so much about what it is. 
it's it's yes it has a deliberate pace but it but it it feels the movie is always moving it's always moving and so um i i felt i loved this even more than i was expecting to it so perfectly pairs art house filmmaking with blockbuster filmmaking it's a perfect marriage of the two things because it's it's a deeply human and an emotional story about a man in search of his father but it's also a space film full of incredible special effects and Mm -hmm. some action this is certainly not an action movie by any means but there's definitely some action there and so uh, it's it's a remarkable marriage of those two ideas and um Brad Pitt carries this movie on his shoulders. I think this might be his a career best performance from him. Um, I think he is just remarkable in this movie. There's there's hardly a frame without him in it. Um, I mean, it's really all about what he's feeling. He's guarded, um, but but his performance is deeply felt and and really moving. And so um so mm-hmm. I, he carries this whole film. But the thing I loved the very most about this movie is how grounded it feels for the most part um of course there are there are there are nitpicks that 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 i'll kind of get into when we get into spoilers but but as a whole this film feels just about as grounded and realistic as you can when it's a film about space travel um it's it feels believable and uh yeah it's just i love the way that this movie ends especially which of course i won't spoil here but when we get into spoilers i i definitely want to talk about that and so I love it. The pace is deliberate, but it's balanced well with enough action to keep things going and, and earned action, not just kind of bombastic things happening to, to entertain the audience. Um, and so I love it. I think it's I think it's one of the best movies of the year. There are some issues, minor issues with it, but I, I, I was moved by this movie um, very much so and was very surprised at how much I truly love this movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Ad Astra. Wow. All right. All right. So raving review from Daniel. That's right. Um, yeah, so I actually, I'm probably going to echo a little bit of what both of you guys said. Uh, before Ad Astra, the only James Gray film that I have seen is We Own the Night. Hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, which I actually have not seen. Yeah, and I, I kind of remember it. So, <laughs> anyway, that's just random. Um, but yeah, so, um, you both talked about some of the subtleties. I literally have in all caps in my notes, subtle. I felt yeah. like this film where it where it was its strongest was in its subtleties and it said so much in just so with so little effort i felt and obviously there were there was a couple moments chad mentioned some dialogue that was super on the nose that mm. felt a little jarring just because everything else was so subtle um and this is not a perfect film by any means but uh, i really loved it and i think one of my favorite things first of all it was beautiful we've already touched on that yeah Brad Pitt is going to have a heck of a year between this and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because this his performance in this was just amazing because it was so subdued, but just like I was with him the entire film, what he yeah. felt I was feeling. Um, but I think my favorite thing about the film itself for a sci-fi film, you kind of touched on it, Daniel, was how... Um, how realistic it was because you had a lot of this advanced technology. It, it opens, it says it's in the near future. Um, and they had a lot of um, gadgets and technology that we don't have today, but we're not far off from. It, it just felt like everything was advanced just enough to where it was um, sci-fi-y, but attainable. So it never, I never got taken out of uh, or I never had to suspend my disbelief because it just felt real. 
um, which I, I, I can't tell you the last time I saw mm-hmm. a sci-fi movie where I just felt like, okay, I, I, all of this makes sense to me. I didn't yeah. have to uh, try to f- get out a, an old science book to try to figure out, now does that really make sense? All of it, they never try to do too much, I felt. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I can't say anything because of spoilers, but um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this film, actually, uh, that I would love to talk about in spoilers when, once we get there. But um, yeah, this film just did a great job of, it was a, a big landscape, uh, a really, a, kind of a big plot in the scheme of things. You're in all, in all of space, but the, the real story was this, this, the small human emotions um, that I, I felt really landed for me. Um so yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it so, is it's phenomenal. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Well, let's do our ranking system, and then we'll jump into spoilers. Um, should we recommend that the audience see it in theaters? Should they wait to rent it or stream it or just skip it altogether? Chad. Oh, 100% see it in theater. It is, uh, you know, I go back and forth on my scale, like is this theater worthy versus oftentimes should you see it in a theater because of the spectacle this is both it is theater worthy because it's a just a really great film but it also has an a, a demand to see this this uh cinematography on the biggest screen possible the sound design in this film is phenomenal the score is great so uh yeah see it on the biggest loudest screen that you possibly can all right daniel Completely, completely agree. It is a gorgeous film. It is a moving film. Uh, it's the best movie in theaters right now, without a, without a doubt. So you should absolutely see this in theaters. And I will echo both of those recommendations. You should definitely see it in theaters. It's Brad Pitt is amazing. Directing is amazing. It's just great. So go see it in theaters. Um, do you all have anything else you want to add before we jump into spoilers? No, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go to spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got him? In that dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. So, guys, I have so much that I want to talk about. And before we get into what you guys want to talk about, there's one thing that I just have. I feel like we just got to talk about first. What was up with the monkey? (laughs) Yeah, that was that was weird. But after it happened, it made perfect sense to me. It was just it was hilarious. Like that was a funny moment. And I'm not sure how intentional it was that it was funny. But it worked for me once the sequence was done. I mean, basically the monkeys I mean, just got out and then they killed everyone. Yeah, I mean you hear you hear them say when they when they're approaching and they're reading the sh- the log of the ship or whatever that it was a uh, an an animal testing mm-hmm. vessel or something like that. So the setup uh. is definitely there. Yeah, um, I was surprised for sure because <laughs> at first at first my my issue with it was don't. Don't the monkeys also need oxygen? So, right. Right. But then I, I, I think we're led to believe because we see it in other places in the film that there are certain places in the ships that 
uh, you can take your your mask off and it's breathable. So I'm going to give them the yeah. benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, I think they were just. They, I think the ship was all sealed off. It was just that they were wearing their their uh, suits because they didn't know what the distress was. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so. I think it was just the ship was operating normally. It's just the monkeys had eaten everyone, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just I had a lot of questions about those. The, were they ba- <laughs> bamboo? Wait, not bamboo. Bamboon. Baboons. Baboons. Ugh, I cannot talk. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I and I. That was one of the few times where I was like, it was a little less believable. But, you know, yeah. it, it worked overall. Like, once you kind of think it through, you're like, I guess that's believable. Like, it makes sense if it Seems gets out. Seems a little there's... silly that an entire ship with a presumed uh, yeah. crew would not have some failsafe for yeah. escaped animals. Oh, yeah. How, yeah. Were there only Whatever. two? How many? Yeah, I just I had a lot of questions. Honestly, when I was looking back, thinking back on my notes <laughs> or on the film, I was like, oh, yeah, and this was great. And this, oh, and there was that monkey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, yeah. Like, it just kind of <laughs> took me out of it. And I don't know. Maybe. And that that leads to one of the things, one of my bigger nitpicks than that was after that scene. So so the uh, whatever the captain of the ship that's taking him to Mars dies, and yeah. then the the co pilot or co captain, whatever his title was, has to take over. Right, that character was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was supposed to be you know this trusted captain of a ship, right? He's he's making trips to Mars, and he has. No guts. He was scared to go in that other ship. Then he can't land on Mars. Mm-hmm. And then he's still like trusted to do some really secret mission leaving Mars. Like it was like what who what who is this idiot and why why are people giving him so much power? It didn't well, make yeah, any and, sense. And I didn't understand how why they were all giving him the cold shoulder when they walked by in the hallway too. Like Well, then I presumed that they were, you know, they were informed of why yeah. Brad Pitt was there and that he wasn't going to be continuing. And so they were just like ignoring him as he was calling. I don't, I don't know. That, that part yeah. of it worked for me, I guess. Well, but. I'll say this. I, I think the first, however long of the film up until they go, he goes on to his next mission where he sneaks onto the rocket. Yeah. That was when the film started getting a little unhinged for me. Uh, cause I felt, and honestly, you kind of go with Brad Pitt's emotions because yeah. he's pretty much been steady the whole time. And I felt like the film had a steady grounding that whole time. And then that happens. And I mean, they didn't really show him getting onto the rocket. Cause wouldn't it, cause they're, yeah, because it's ridiculous. Yes. And right. so, uh, you know, Agreed. I'm going Agreed. to, this is where, you know, I'm glad that you guys think this is movies, the second coming, but oh, come uh, on. I do not. the first, the first two thirds of this film, I think are really, really setting up something marvelous. And mm-hmm. I do think that the last act now, not all of the last act, but I do think essentially what you're saying from the moment that I also didn't really buy that this, uh, this other captain, the lady that was mm-hmm. at the Mars station, all this, she, she walks down the hallway with Pitt one time, and then all of a sudden she's willing to just forsake everything and throw her career and or freedom yeah. away just to help him. Why? That didn't make any sense to me, so I didn't buy that. And then the idea that she drops him off in this, you know, this area, he swims through this really long thing, yeah. which is all which is all realistic, but 
He was like a, he was that like he, two miles away. <laughs> yeah, he's two miles away, and then he emerges literally while they're ten, yeah. nine, oh, and then no he's way. in the he's ship. It's so ridiculous. I one hundred percent was ridiculous. And then honestly, to be to, to be fair, I really even the the way that all three of the crew is then killed, I thought was really just mm-hmm. silly. I oh, don't. Yeah. There's not a scenario where I mean I don't want to say there's not a scenario, but that whole scenario yeah. played false to me. Yeah. Um, and and that kind of leads into. Um, a couple of the other nitpicks that I had, because I think there are a couple of sequences that are like this. I think, and we're going to talk about this specifically from a plot point in just a minute, but I think how how Brad Pitt returns to his ship after his father has died yeah. is also patently ridiculous, where he's he uses the propellers to spin himself through space with a space shield through all the rocks, and then he flies back. And when, in actuality... Um, Normally, it wouldn't bother me as much if if th- this film had not gone to such great lengths to make everything realistic. Mm-hmm. So when those kinds of things happen, it seems silly because in reality, if his father had blasted him off together and pulled him out, their momentum is going to take them and they're done. But that's neither here nor there. That whole thing just seems silly all the way through him getting back. You know, I'm going to use this ex- this explosion to take me 2.3 billion miles, you know, and then he wakes up and then he, he's yeah, that whole thing felt very contrived and false to me. Just those two main sequences. Now, there's a lot of stuff in between there that I think is great, um, but you either buy it or you don't. And for me, I was still in it, but it, there, it that little piece of my mind was just like, oh, come on. This seems just a little bit too far. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Not all. I, I think the weakest part of this film, undeniably, is pretty much everything that happens on Mars. Because um, I agree with everything you pointed out, the way he gets on the ship, all of that, or the way that all the crew dies, that none of that really worked for me. Um, but the, the first two-thirds of the movie... Well, actually, not two thirds, but you know the the whole first portion Half. before, yeah. yeah, before they get to Mars, and then everything pretty much. I loved everything after the rest of the crew dies, and he and he makes his way to find his dad. All of that worked so incredibly well for me that it kind of made me. It allowed me to forgive the, the a lot of that ridiculous ridiculous stuff that happened on Mars because that was the only that that was the only section of the film that was truly unbelievable. In addition to, I agree, the shield thing was stupid. Um, <laughs> all the rest of it felt pretty pretty believable to me. Um, pretty grounded, but uh, but yeah, I, I, that that whole Mars thing that that was shockingly weird. It was such a departure from the rest of the rest of the yeah. film. It was kind of. It's kind of weird. I kind of wonder how if that was all like you know rewrites, reshoot. They kind of just crammed this because it was so different from the rest of the movie. It was kind yeah. of odd. Yeah, it felt it was so rushed too. It was like you blinked yeah. and suddenly yeah, they yeah. were all dead. Like wait, yes. Like and I didn't even understand what happened when the rocket, I guess, jolted or broke, braked or I don't know. And the lady smashed her face. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. what? Didn't, what? Yeah. What even happened? Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, and and was... I don't believe that they would be so in a rush to kill him. I think right they'd be away. just like, yeah. yes, they'd agreed. just be like, oh, you shouldn't be here, you know, whatever, and like maybe detain him or something like Especially that. Especially that, to... that the sec- the ancillary captain yeah. who he saved his life and didn't turn him in. Yeah. I mean, there would be a little hesitation there. You I would think. think so. But I will say they did kind of set it up on the way where they were like, mayday call. He's like, no, it's protocol. We have. So, I mean, I guess they're kind of. Rigid people. Although the guy that said the protocol one was already dead. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah. that whole thing didn't work, unfortunately. But yeah. the my very favorite thing about this film is that the whole time I was waiting for aliens, the whole time, mm. and they never went there. And I love that. I absolutely mm-hmm. love that. Um, there was nothing supernatural. There was nothing extraterrestrial. It was just a futile search for life on other planets. And I I thought that was so ballsy in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. I it was it was they they just kept the whole thing human and again, other than the things we've already pointed out, grounded. And um so what did you guys think of how they kind of they, they never interacted with aliens or anything like that? Yeah. One hundred percent. I really I loved it too. I, I the whole time I kept thinking, oh, they're gonna show some kind of thing mm-hmm. in the distance, and we're gonna be like, oh, there's the life that they right. really missed. Um, but no, I loved it, and I also loved too. Like right before Brad Pitt goes back to Earth, uh, he's doing one of his little self-recording things, mm-hmm. and um, he says something along the lines of, "I'm looking forward to no longer being in isolation," and. And obviously he's going to be in isolation for the whole trip back, but it was just, it, it was like a moment of like, okay, character change of like isolation just in life too. Like he's been isolated pretty much his whole life, a lot of with yeah. his dad. And that was an emotional, um, I, I don't know, there was a lot of things in this film that I felt you could take both literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really liked that they didn't go with, with the life and speaking yeah. of the the lack of well actually sorry I don't want to change the subject before Chad weighs in on on the ending yeah so, yeah I 100% agree with both of you that is one of if not my favorite piece of of the film is that you, you even have that line where you know Pitt's talking with his dad and he says but now you know because mm-hmm. his father's yeah, saying yeah. you know I failed please don't let them let you know think I failed he says but you didn't because now we know mm-hmm. and so I love the idea mm-hmm. that we are all that we have and that's enough yeah um, and I, I love that I love that idea I love the I love the fact that it explored all of these um, other worlds that his father was able to discover, but that nothing else was there. And so he had the answer. It wasn't the answer that he wanted. And so he was willing to continue to just blindlessly forge or blindly forge into, you know, the unknown when in fact it wasn't unknown. I just, I love all of that. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was, was expertly handled. Uh, whereas I think a lot of your, um, general audiences, however, are going to hate that. Ending. Yeah, I agree. Yes. That's why I'm not at all surprised at that, the disparity between the critical and the audience reactions there on Rotten Tomatoes, because uh, ev- I think most people going into this movie, even though I think the trailers were pretty, pretty true to mm-hmm. what this film actually is. I think most people are just going to see Brad Pitt space. It's going to be an action movie and it's just not, this is a very cerebral, you know, emotional, thoughtful, introspective film, not an action movie. Cause I guess, I think, I guess in the trailer, there are the shots of like them getting into a gunfight on the moon and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I see how that could be misleading, but um, yeah, I'm not at all surprised by that. Yeah. Um, Chad, you mentioned earlier that the father and son relationship really moved you and i'm curious um what scenes you found um, you're trying to get all up in my business yeah Yeah, so the thing is that you know there are we talked at the beginning about how many potential thematic elements that are, are are baked into this thing that you can explore one of those certainly is 
uh, in this case, it's a father and son, but it certainly could just be parents and children or even family members uh, as it relates to abandonment and disappointment um, at, at a young age, but specifically abandonment. Um, and because there's a huge, a huge payoff. And this is one of those things where I said they quite literally spell it out for mm-hmm. you, where they're holding each other at the end. And his father is saying, let me go. <laughs> let me go. It's come on. Now, that's pretty cheesy. Um, it works in the moment. But it but because that's the message that's been that it's literally Brad Pitt's arc through this film is that he he needs to let go. Uh, they make they make this big deal of how his Pulse never rises because he's always calm in any situation and he's detached and he's singularly focused, but it's clear that he has been uh, significantly wounded by Mm -hmm. the fact that his father left him. Um, and so it's one of those things that really resonated with me. It was a different scenario too, but my, uh, my father was in my life for quite some time and then he wasn't anymore. Um, and so we left, you know, five brothers and a mom and no dad and it's significant trauma, no matter what age you are. And I think mm-hmm. in this film, he said he was 16 when he left and then 29 when he disappeared. And so there's a thing, you know, as a, as a, a young boy where you're always wanting to make your father proud and you want him to see you and be there. And when they're physically not there, it's, it's very emotional and tough to deal with. So for me, the scene where Pitt is um, making this laser call from Mars to his father. And the first time they have this, you know, thing, he's supposed to read this prepared script and you know, it's not going to work. And then he comes back the second time and goes off script. And he's saying things like, um, you would be proud of me. You, you, I'm doing a work, you know, that, uh, dedicated to space exploration and finding intelligent Mm -hmm. life. And, you know, he talks about the things in his life and he begins to get emotional and cry at the end while Mm -hmm. at the same time trying to keep a very stoic demeanor. Um, and I know exactly what that emotion is like. And so that for me, was very the performance was so authentic mm-hmm. and perfect because I I have felt that emotion uh, and I really appreciated the fact that this film ex- used that core relationship to not just explore ideas of abandonment or um, but but it, it it goes beyond that into trying to find your purpose right uh, what is your purpose in this world overcoming um, you know, past trauma and letting go so that you can, because he's obviously very broken. And so when he literally does let his father go, um, he is then finally able as he comes back to say, um, I want to be alone. I don't want to be alone anymore. I want to repair a relationship with my wife, I guess was his wife Mm -hmm. uh, or girlfriend. I don't remember. I don't remember. They were married. Yes. Pointless character. She could be completely cut out of the movie and it wouldn't matter at all. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) But uh, it does matter in as much as when he comes back, he doesn't just come back and then gets put into the PR machine as the new hero. But he comes back and instead of doing everything that he's always done before that, he changes and or at least attempts to change. So I loved all I loved all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. and, And the movie really works very, very well. Uh, when it's dealing with those. And Pitt is such, I mean, you just forget what a great actor this guy yeah. is, but he's so good with just a look or just brimming to the edge of emotion. Um, so I loved all of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I loved is that is, is the opposite side too, where it's not just the, 
the search to to build this relationship but when he finally sees his dad his dad i forget exactly you know what he says but basically saying i don't i don't love you i was i was here for this journey this is what i was made for and brad pitt just kind of says i know dad and and he's got that tear running down his cheek and yep. and like yeah his, his how dad stoic said, that moment was yeah. it that just rang so it, it was just such a powerful moment um yeah. So yeah. his dad said his dad said i never thought about you he said i knew right. it would i knew it would orphan you and widow your mother but i never thought about you right and then brad pitt responds with i love you anyway Mm. Right. And so that's where it really lands for me is that when you've been wounded by a family member, you still love them. And so it's uh, in in a lot of cases you still do. And so I thought that was beautiful. I really did. The scene where his he's watching his dad float away and you see that wide shot and he's so far away. I thought that was just gut wrenching. Yeah. Just that image. There are so many striking images in this film. Yeah, uh, really the, are. the 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 why there's a lot of just really beautiful stuff. So I did want to say, uh, you know, while we're while we're here though, because there are some exhilarating sequences in this movie. It opens with a scene where they're on this tower and this power surge happens, mm-hmm. and his and he falls, and I, when he landed after that whole thing of spinning and you you keep cutting into his helmet, in this really kind of shaky photography. And then it cuts to an immediate wide, so you still have context. It's really very brilliantly edited. And then when he landed, you know, that whole sequence is probably two, three minutes. I was in. I was 100% mm-hmm. in. Um, and there's also another scene on the moon where there's kind of this moon buggy hijack attempt, which is fantastic yeah. the way they mm-hmm. use no gravity and the sounds of kind of the guns, sort of laserish kind of guns or something. They're not truly lasers, I don't think, but there's... That whole thing I thought was really just exciting and really just very well done. And that's because this whole movie is not just a slog. I mean, there's some really exciting stuff in here from set pieces and just the narrative tension of what's going to happen when we get there. What Mm -hmm. what's happening around the mystery of this father? That's why I love this movie so much is because I I think it really does pair art house emotion with blockbuster so well. It it doesn't it doesn't get bombastic with these action sequences, but it still has enough of those gripping sequences to just really keep you in, keep you focused. And yeah, I I loved all those sequences. Yeah, yeah I loved the whole idea of commercial flights to the moon. Yeah, too. Like just the stewardess on the moon; they're all in spacesuits. Like that's that felt so real. Like <laughs> yeah. that's gonna yeah, happen. That's perfect. That's gonna. I happen. love the. I love like the sign, the highway sign that looks like an airport yes. landing on the moon. Yeah. But I really loved when he said, "I want my pillow and blanket." And they're yeah. like, "That's a hundred and twenty dollars." It's like this <laughs> is definitely realistic. Felt, it felt like her to a certain extent, where it was like just in the future enough, where all of those things were so believable and not goofy. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah. like, of course, the pillow and blanket is gonna be one hundred fifty bucks. Like yes, that makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. We we started talking about it earlier, but but another nitpick I have of this film is the everything with Liv Tyler. Um, that felt so tacked on. It it served no real purpose. She has t- like two lines in this film. She's totally Did she even underused. Have a line? I don't even remember. I, her I, maybe she didn't. I don't even know. It, it, it was so. It was a disservice to her character to even have her like just cut her out. It would have been like there, there, there was no, there was no use to to her so, character. Not to disagree, but I have to disagree. I don't, 
I don't disagree that she doesn't have a lot, a lot of moments in the film, but I do think that showing that Brad Pitt essentially did the same thing that was done to him is important for his character, for us Mm -hmm. to understand what he is. So his own father abandoned him and it broke him. And so in his own life, attempting to not be his father, he still does the same thing because you, you get the threads of their relationship. I was always gone. I was always doing this. He literally did the same thing to her that was done to he and his mom. And so narratively, I do think that I don't know how else you would do it without showing some of that. So well, I agree they could have been, she could have been in there more, but I think narratively it's important. Well, yeah, I think it works at the very end when you see him going back to her and meeting her in the in that diner because that just shows his true character arc. He's realizing that people are more important than the work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and I think that that all comes out of the the confrontation with his dad. I mean, I don't know what he expected. But when he was finally able to have that moment of catharsis, um, then he was able to somewhat heal at least um, enough to realize that that road leads to ruin. So I think I think if I think it may not have been portrayed in the best way, but I think it works narratively. I think it's structural. Makes sense. Did y'all feel maybe it was just me, but I felt when he first gets into the ship and is talking to his dad, his dad just comes out swinging with all these like I never loved you and I haven't thought about you once and stuff and 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 I guess maybe you could believe it because he's just been there for 30 years and he would be like that but I just I had a I personally had a hard time with everything else being so subtle with suddenly that being so direct and on the I nose. had in I had in my notes that I, I specifically wrote dialogue between father and son at beginning is extremely clunky yeah. because we're, we're, we're supposed to believe that this emotional message that he sent to his father was enough right. that his father responded. Right. So the idea that right when he would see him, he would just be like, I never loved you anyway. I, that I didn't buy that. Right. I didn't buy that at the beginning. Unless his message back was, don't bother. <laughs> well, sure. That's true. Okay, yeah. that's we fair. We don't know. I haven't, yeah. I haven't considered that, but that's fair. That's yeah. kind of what I what, what I assumed. Like, I, I actually disagree. I think the it was abrupt what he said, but I'm imagining that this guy was alone up there for who knows how long, right? At least like 10 years, 15 years, something like that, at least. And so um, he's going to be socially you know, weird. And, and he, he assumes his son is up there to bring him back home, come, come home and be a happy family, whatever. And so I think, I think the immediate thing of like, no, don't distract me from my work. I'm still searching. Cause he, that's what he's doing. He's still searching for aliens, even when Brad Pitt shows up. And so, um, so I don't know. That didn't ring. That didn't ring false for me. Um, it yeah. may, may, maybe a little on the nose, but but that's what I, I didn't think it a... was false. I just thought it was clunky. I just mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. I don't buy that. That would have been the first two minutes of their conversation after thirty years, because no matter what the father says, he was with him until he was sixteen years old, and no matter how driven he was towards a thing. He didn't just completely disregard his son because I don't. Uh, well, I think if he I'm, was gonna, I think if he was gonna say, "Don't worry, don't waste your time," he would have done that to the prepared can speech. Well, but and don't I you think, don't right. you think he's he's clearly driven to madness? He has murdered however oh, many sure. other people. So that's that's for sure. kind of the way I was ter- interpreting it. Is yes, he. he may, I'm sure he at once cared about at one point in time cared about Brad Pitt and his family or whatever. But like it has been decades, and he has clearly lost. 
his mind. He is he is murderous in pursuit of this of of finding extraterrestrial life. And so sure. that's no, kind I of buy what it. I, was I buy it. I just don't. I mean, if you're going to use if you you just know what the the movie lets you know, and then you have to yeah. fill in the blanks. And I so could, when the movie lets you know that he responded to his emotional plea from his son, that leads me to believe that there's something human still there. Yeah, and and I would I could buy that he would say those things, but I don't. But Brad Pitt at that point hadn't given him a reason to just blurt it out, I don't think. But gotcha. I agree. It struck me as false, too. I agree. Gotcha. I do think um, the the things that were more on the nose were most of the voiceovers. It, I think I think this movie worked um, without that for the most part. I think we we didn't need it in most of the cases. I mean, sometimes it was really if like I I, I appreciated what it was saying it was well written but i think it was mostly useless if you had i think it could mostly be excised from the film and we would still feel the majority of the emotions that we felt i don't think it was fully necessary did you guys feel that way i did i i, I think a lot of a lot of the voiceovers we could have just seen him yeah. um do the things and, and would have got the same thing i think movies like this though like the martian and uh, films where you have an individual who is isolated that has to speak to themselves. Mm-hmm. I think I give them a little bit more of a pass, but they could have accomplished all of those things by doing the psychological test as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, sometimes, but I agree, sometimes it worked and sometimes it was, uh, it was not very good. Um, and there's just too many of them, I think, overall, a couple yeah. times, but they did it four or five times. Yeah, I do think there were, there were moments where you didn't need the voiceover for sure. But uh, voiceover typically does bother me in films. But overall, it really didn't bother me too much in this film. And I think because the film itself was so subtle that it didn't feel like it, they were over messaging us. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and we, you know, this movie did make $19 million. That's a pretty solid I'm very opening happy about that. F- for a movie like this. I mean, that's not, yeah. I, I didn't expect it to make that much. So that's, that's pretty strong. I am so glad that this movie exists after just so many remakes and redos and reboots. No doubt. I've just, ah, oh, something Every original. Every day of the week. Every yeah. day I'll take it. Yep. It was just, that, that in and of itself was just refreshing to just watch something new. And have no idea where it was going yeah. or what was going to happen. Yeah, it was wonderful. I agree. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, that wraps up our review of Ad Astra, and that will end our episode. Please tune in again next week for another awesome episode, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time. <laughs>